Anyway, Contagion was really good, but it was really... Um, predictable? No. Well, I mean, it was absolutely predictable what was going to happen at every moment. <laughs> that was the horror of, of it, you know? Yeah. In the way that gr the movie Gravity was predictable, <laughs> right? She's going to yeah. hit the ground. I, I think the... Uh, <laughs> She's going to go to Earth. She's going to fall. <laughs> the, well, the force is going to pull her exactly. down. Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, your hosts, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McIntyre, discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Nina? What, Doc? Well, everyone knows what's up these days. Uh, we are in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis. Up? Yeah, it got worse. It got so much worse. Yes, and once again, we have to uh, probably timestamp this in some way. We are recording yep. on the 19th of March. Uh, this will probably be released. Uh, what, what, what would Engineer Mike say? Somewhere. It's going to be released uh, this Sunday. Oh, so pretty soon. So, uh, so it'll be pretty yeah, timely. Yeah, the 22nd. So what I've been doing for the last, well, over a week now, maybe almost, not quite two weeks, is nonstop... It didn't take me long to turn my classes into remote learning because I've done so much online teaching, but also because I've done so, so much online teaching, everybody has come to me for, hey, help me figure this out. And so that's what I've been doing from morning to night, basically for a week and a half now. Ironically, the lockdown has made you more productive. Like you've done more work in this in the past week and a half than I've seen you all semester. Yes, really. no, it's true. Like I was bragging this semester that... It's been one of the easiest semesters I've had in recent years until now. <laughs> and now I'm back yeah. to, you know, 16 to, to, to 18 hour days every day. Yesterday, though, I finished work by before five, I think. I mean, I started probably around 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a 12 hour day anyway. And today uh, I had a bunch of other things to do. But in terms of work, I probably only did four to five hours of work today, I guess. Uh, so that's actually pretty mm -hmm. good. In contrast, I have had nothing to do after my work day. I have been playing a lot of video games. I have been doing a lot of reading. I have been doing a lot of writing. I've been trying to finish my book. And that is about it. And <laughs> Well, you are. <laughs> so my productivity has tanked <laughs> like this. Yeah, and, and it's like I, I think we went out twice in the past week and a half once was to drop off recycling we made contact with absolutely no one then today to walk the dog and get the mail oh, well there you go <laughs> and that is it like seriously i have done nothing and it has both felt weird and wonderful at this time like i have the perfect to eschew all human contact it is interesting like you would think that there are some people whose lives basically have stayed the same. Like tomorrow, mm -hmm. tomorrow is trash day here. I expect that the mm -hmm. trash collectors, since they're already dealing with trash uh, and are probably not rubbing it in their faces. I expect that their job is the same as it's always been. And there are lots of people who probably are in that situation, but honestly, everyone I know or almost everyone I know either suddenly has nothing to do a lot are like suddenly getting laid off until, you know, they can go into work mm -hmm. or they are just working from, you know, dawn until, you know, they go to bed every day. And it's not even clear to me that it's connected to industries. 
uh, like some are, you can tell the industry, but uh, my daughter works for a major, te- <laughs> a ma- I don't know what to call it, a major, a major yeah. new ec- economy, a, a gig economy tech yeah. delivery service thing, I guess that's what I can say. And her fiance works for corporate overlord. Yes. The, <laughs> I would, I'm not going to say the name of the company. I'll just say that if you Google the company, you will quickly find out through Googling the company, the name of the company. So you can guess mm-hmm. whatever it is. <laughs> She's going to be so mad at you. Like she listens to this. Well, first of all, well, she is apparently like, she wakes up to desperate calls from one of their corporate clients every morning and she's just working constantly all day. Uh, her fiance is like, yeah, yeah, my life is kind of easier than normal. <laughs> just work from home. And yeah. so, and they both work in, in tech, uh, sort of. So I can't even like point to a particular uh, industry. Like, so one of my family members works in a hotel. Well, she got laid off pretty quick. That one's obvious why. Another one's a construction yeah. worker. He got laid off, and I'm still not clear why. And it wasn't him particular. It was, you know, the whole whole crew. So anyway, I having a lot to do, I'm really am not complaining about it. I It's an explanation for why I'm busy all the time, but at least I've got things to do. Well, good. Which I'm rubbing, I'm rubbing in your one, face. So I am, I'm not complaining about not having a lot to do. I am complaining about not going out to get nachos because that that was sad that is sad yes but you know poor me but you know i i do have family members in the service industry who are in situation Mm -hmm. so i worry about them i i worry about that are currently struggling who have small children who groceries on time um so yeah i talked about them so yeah so i'm gonna be fine you're gonna be fine oh yeah And, and, you know, we're healthy yes. too. right now, as of right now, as of this recording, we are healthy. And so, I'm... and you know, if we're ever not healthy, no one will, the podcast will end. So no one will have to deal with the grief of uh, us being exactly. unhealthy, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> if not, this is our last podcast recording again. <laughs> we should um... just always predict our imminent demise and eventually we'll have it right. <laughs> if you predict it enough, eventually it'll be true. This is true. So speaking of this, so my daughter lives in San Francisco. They have been sheltering in place as the, that's the new Orwellian speak now, sheltering in place. Uh, I'm not supposed to call it lockdown. <laughs> the idea of sheltering in place is not a new idea. And, and listeners of this podcast in the past have heard us talk about the Decameron. Mm-hmm. This is from our Black Plague podcast. Yes. And so we wanted to get into some more detail. I think we thought that was going to be the end of it for a while. And in fact, I think in the Black Plague podcast, but that is hard to say, in the Black Plague <laughs> podcast. That's why I said it slowly. Good job. Well done. <laughs> I, th- I think. I'll never say it again. You said, oh, I wish we had a reason to, to really get into the Decameron. I hope we have a chance pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Well, here's our chance. I need to stop wishing for things. So, yes, hope is death, ultimately. It is. It really is. Well, that's, my, that's my goth statement of the day. <laughs> so since we've talked about it before, normally you ask me details about things. And yes. I want to ask you, what's the Decameron about and why is it relevant here? All right. So recap of the Decameron. Mm-hmm. Ten people from Florence. Mm-hmm. They see that... Uh, their families are pretty much dead 
um, and they say, what are we going to do? One of them says, hey, I've got a country house. Why don't we retreat to that and wait out this Black Plague? Wait for the worst of it to be over before we return to the city. They decide, hey, that's a good idea since, you know, our families are dead and we have to go <laughs> elsewhere. So they retreat to this very nice, I guess you'd call it like a villa, yeah, yeah, maybe? that's right. In the country to while away their time since there is no internet at the time. Whoa, uh, they decide, big if true. <laughs> I know. Citation <laughs> needed, right? They decide to each tell a story a day, 10 people, 10 stories each day for 10 days, 100 stories, the Decameron, each day having a different theme. And each day there'll be a queen or a king who will decide that day's theme. This one guy whose name is Dionio, he decides, no, he wants to be the last person each day for some I can't remember the reason why he decides to go last. I, yeah, I don't, re- I don't recall why he says, or even if he gives a reason. Okay. That's really the, the crux mm-hmm. of the, the Decameron. Yeah, and so there's a hundred short stories, you know, ranging in length from a couple pages to, you know, maybe 20 pages long. Yeah, some of them are pretty long, but they're interesting. Yeah, and yeah. each day has a different theme. Well, actually, there are two days that don't have a theme, uh, weirdly. The first one doesn't. There's another one later that doesn't for reasons I have never understood, really. It's like choose your own theme or something yes. like that. Uh, we decided that we would pick a day and then we would each talk about uh, one of the stories from that day. And we chose day two because day two stories all have some kind of ostensible happy ending. Yes. We wanted to pick something that would cheer everyone up because... The world is simultaneously on fire, drowning, and dying of a virus right now. The world is a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Set to drain. That's true. I learned that. I learned that. <laughs> From some sort of poet, I think. <laughs> we, we laugh right now because we're all kind of going stir crazy. So, yeah. So, we chose day two. Happy endings. And we, we decided to choose our favorite. Do you want to go first or should I? Uh, why don't you go ahead and go first? Okay. So my favorite story came from day two. That was uh, Philomena's day or Philomena. Wait, wait, when you say your favorite story came from that day, do you mean it's your favorite story out of the hundred or just your favorite from that day? From that day. That is not okay. my favorite story out of the yeah, hundred. Okay. That would, I'll, I'll mention that uh, later on in my recommendation. Yeah, it's one of my favorite days, but none of the stories yeah. in it are my favorites. I don't know if that makes sense. I'd say yeah. overall, it's one of the better days, but. Yeah, let me explain. No, day two is Philomena's day. My favorite story is story two, Neophiles, Neophiles' mm-hmm. story. Again, I'm not good with Italian. I'm much stronger in French and some German, but Italian. So this story is about uh, a merchant named Rinaldo Diasti. Mm-hmm. And Rinaldo is a sort of a well-to-do merchant. He is on his way to the Castle, and I'm not going to do well, Guglielmo? Uh, I would just or, say Guillermo is what I usually call it. <laughs> <laughs> Guillermo. Yeah. Where he meets up with a team of other merchants, uh, although they are not other merchants, they are highwaymen, which is code or old-timey for brigands. They are going to rob Yes, him. because highwaymen is so, is, is so much more obscure <laughs> term than brigands. <laughs> Yes. You often see like news brigands. reports saying a, <laughs> a group of brigands 
move stealthily <laughs> through the forest some, today. Some bad people, <laughs> some bad dudes are, are dressed up and they're going to rob him. But anyway, they get him talking and, and they say to Ronaldo, they say, hey, Ronaldo, who do you often pray to? And he says, oh, well, you know, when I pray, I say a, a Hail Mary and I say an Our Father. And I also say a prayer to St. Julianne. And I say a prayer to St. Julianne for shelter. Uh, because every night, or I've, I've been through some crap and I've seen some, some crap. But every night or every time I pray to St. Julianne, um, I always ask for shelter. And I always seem to get shelter. In this. Well, then the, the highwaymen, they say, well... It, I guess it's just not your 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 day today, son. And they wind up robbing him. And his servant boy, who is happens to be there, uh, he hides and then he runs away. And they strip him to just Ronaldo, Ronaldo, not servant, to just his shirt, and I think his socks mm-hmm. as well. And they beat him up and they leave him just outside the castle, Guillermo, as you say. Uh, <laughs> they take all of his his belongings and his horse. And his shoes, and they make off with it. Poor Ronaldo, he happens to hobble into the the castle or into the castle walls, because you know castles they had walls and they were they were like a small miniature city. Of course, it happens to be snowing, and I love the description how it just says, "Oh, it happens to be." It's really really isn't a good day for Ronaldo Diasti, and he's shivering, and he happens to push his way into the shed of an of, of a, a very young widow. And this is important because this widow happens to be expecting the Marquis Dazo of Ferrara. I guess he's the resident of Castle Germo. Yeah, she's kind of his ke- he's, she's kind of his kept woman. Yes, and it's it's an interesting description because he she has a bath poured for him and um, dinner set out. She's she's expecting him, and he happens to send his servant out at the last minute. And he's and the servant says, "Sorry, the marquee isn't going tonight. Sorry, bye." She is very disappointed because she misses her husband. And I get it. I guess from the description is she's extreme. Like she is looking for some. As she's getting, she's about to go to bed for the night, and all of a sudden she's crying and whining and praying because Ronaldo is praying to Saint Julian. Uh, he seems to think has forsaken him. She tells her maid, uh, "Go out to the shed where I hear this crying." And check on who this the maid out. And the maid comes back and says, there's a man out there waiting. And so she brings in Ronaldo and has him cleaned up and dresses him in her dead husband's clothes, which I think is kind of strange. But again, uh, there's no real explanation for how long her husband has been dead. I, again, I get the feeling that this widow has moved on for a little while and, and she's she's looking for, you know, some action. It's a definite choice because Boccaccio mentions yeah. twice, I think, maybe more than twice, but at least twice, that it's her dead husband's clothes. And if they said, like, the Marquis' clothes or just some clothes, yeah. you would never have thought, I wonder if those belong to her dead husband, right? But uh, it's a definitely a choice he's making there. I, I, I thought it was strange at first, but then I, I'm like, okay, this is, this is, I can see what direction they're... Anyway, she gets him cleaned up and... In her, again, her dead husband's clothes. And apparently, Ronaldo looks real smoke. And I, I want to read the description here in just a second. And, because it's hilarious. Just how much attention to detail that Boccaccio puts on it. Let me scroll here. It's, it's kind of a wall of text. Okay, here it is. Now he was tall of his person and 
and pleasant of favor and very engaging and agreeable of manners and a man in the prime of life wherefore the lady had several times cast her eyes on him and found him much to her and her desires being already aroused for the marquis who was to have come to lie with her she had taken a mind to him accordingly after supper wherein they were risen from table she took counsel with her maid whether her seemed she would do well the marquis having left her to the lurch to use the good fortune which fortune had sent her meaning <laughs> in this time look i was already expecting the marquis you're a man i'm ready to slide here okay <laughs> this is like <laughs> right Go ahead. well and she starts off in the bathtub like the first time i read it i thought the bathtub yeah. was going to come into it it's like nope let's just think about her being naked for a while uh, yeah. and, and the point of her putting, getting him dressed and then having to get him undressed, right? There's a kind of yep. identify uh, how you identify him. And so, yeah, so obviously one thing leads to another as they do yep. when you wander half naked into a Marquis castle and, and find the, his kept widow, his kept woman who, who's yep. a widow. So <laughs> she, she basically tells Ronaldo, look. I like what I'm seeing here. Do you like what you're seeing? And he says very, very valiantly, uh, yeah, you know what? I I'm I'm not going to turn you down here. So they go off to, to do the dirt. She also tells him, look, I know a way you can get your stuff back. And I also know a way you can get your stuff back and get into your old clothes have and not be seen and not have your honor destroyed too and and not have my honor really and and that's kind of the the hint here is that no one has to know about this woman she tells him where to find his horse his missing clothes his missing wares because that's that's also missing everything except for his garters because okay. uh, apparently the the highwaymen that stole that from him they don't know where those are he manages also to find his servant that ran off as well Nothing really ever comes of the widow. I think it was just kind of a booty call and that was it. That was the end of their relationship. And then the very last bit of the story is they find the robbers that stole all of Ronaldo's wares. And the last line is Ronaldo accordingly gave thanks to God and St. Julian and taking horse returned home safe and sound leaving the three rogues to go kick on the morrow against the wind we know is code for hanging yes so everyone gets their just desserts in and he story. gets back everything that he had plus a little bit more minus the garters mm -hmm. oh yeah and, he got and some then more also there. he uh sleeps with the he gets shelter that's for sure i i wasn't just talking about <laughs> shelter but okay <laughs> i was being genteel uh, okay, yeah, I was not, but okay. <laughs> so, but that's my favorite story. I lo I love how this ends, and I, I well, I I love this whole story. Of all the stories that day, what is it about that one that you love? Well, number one, it's body. I my favorite stories in the Decameron are the body ones. I I'm just a sucker for anything dirty, but also because it ends so perfectly. He loses what he lost gets it all back and again then some but also i also it it's the least mean of the stories like it could go really cruel mm -hmm. for the women in the story yeah. like uh we we're talking a little bit about one of the stories that i was going to mention that's just really really cruel mm -hmm. this one does not so just to pull the curtain back a little bit uh we decided beforehand when we had decided what day we were going to do 
that we would each pick a story. And when we thought, well, what if we pick the same? Should we keep it secret? And we decided that we'd each pick two stories. The two stories I picked was one was the one you picked and then one was the one that I picked. And I actually put the one mm-hmm. that you picked first in my choice. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know if I if I like it better than the other one. I, I might. Uh, but because I actually thought that the one I chose would be the one that you would choose. Uh, I was sort of predicting. So I thought, <laughs> I thought there was a good chance we'd pick the same two, but we did, we did yeah. cross the same, uh, the same one. So let me talk about mine. Then I, I want to come back and say a little bit about sure. like the idea of cruelty, because I, I see the cruelty a little bit differently. I think than you do toward everyone actually in these, in these stories, particularly yeah. day two. So my story would be probably the most famous story from that day, which is story seven. So day two, story seven. And that one, the Sultan of Babylon has this daughter, Alatiel, and he sends her by ship to marry the king of Algarva. I guess it is a today a great tourist place that I've never been to in Portugal. So she she's going off there. And I can't tell you the full plot because it's super i can't summarize the full plot because it's super complicated just do it in the broadest sense which is she has a series of adventures involving pirates and shipwrecks and and all sorts of things in the past i've tried uh, like in class to start to walk through and even if i just describe every lover she has or in some cases husbands (laughs) really uh that she has in one sentence, it still becomes very long and convoluted and hard to, to follow. So basically, it's just a series of adventures where she ends up with these nine different men. And a lot of the stories in day two, they're not so much stories about love relationships as much as they are just sort of, as you say, booty calls or random hookups uh, that can happen. Yeah. In her case, most of them are kind of short-lived love relationships that usually end with like the lover dying or something happening that keep that permanently separates them. Mm-hmm. And so there's a series of kind of sadnesses where she like loses someone, but then another adventure happens and she ends up with someone else. And after these nine guys, eventually everything resolves and she ends up getting to the King of Algarva. But of course she's had these nine guys in the, I think it's four years that have intervened that she was supposed to be on the way, but she is passed off as a virgin and so everything is fine for her and the ending of it is just supposed to be really i think when we read it we mostly think of it as a a, as an adventure story and then it's just oh and by the way in the end she lived happily ever after being able to marry this king after all one of the things that i think about the decameron which we talked about in the black death episode is that it's about how to deal with trauma and how to deal with difficult situations and so mm. one of the things you've got to think about, I mean, just think of how difficult life is even now where we're, we have it pretty good, how many people are kind of having to, we don't really see as of this state uh, too much, uh, but what we do see is uh, some people having some sorts of hardship and some people having to make some sort of compromises. So, but even today, like not in this particular crisis, but for example, I've known women who had small children who ended up having to do things to make money or to protect their children. They would never, never, never do, but was a kind of survival thing. Well, think about the black, yeah, yeah. think about the black plague where a lot of women had no one to arrange their marriage. 
or no one to protect mm -hmm. them or no one to, you know, some of them had to make difficult choices of survival. Some of them maybe had a husband who then died and then they end up with another guy and he doesn't know about her past. Often when I see these kind of acts, especially in day two, other days too, but especially day two, which is supposed to be happy. When I see these, these sort of casual cruelties that the narrator of that particular story puts on its characters, uh, whether male or female, I often read it as thinking about the audience having coming through something like that and saying like, Hey, you know what? This stuff might've happened to you, but it's okay. Yeah. Alatiel goes through all these things, but in the end she gets everything. She still gets to have the things that she, that she wanted before. And her adventure doesn't ruin her in essence as, as a woman, as it might say in an Arthurian romance or something. Right. And then when we look at your story, the reason that I had that on my list was much the same reason, which is that's the, the male version where Ronaldo looks like he's ruined. Uh, he has a kind of Job like experience where he comes out the other end, having everything he wanted uh, justice is, is done. And when we see the widow, who then dresses him in her husband's clothes, I think the idea is to say, this is not a woman who is, her relationship with the Marquis is clearly transactional. But we're not to take from that that she is in some way to be looked down on. We see her, even in this, this booty call with this rando who shows up, as she connects this in some way with her kind of, with her uh, romantic uh, life, her romantic notions. And, you know, when she talks to her, her maiden, her, her maiden, her maid about, uh, about this guy, she talks about, well, I mean, chance sent him to me. So I guess I should have him right. A sense that chance happens, fate happens. And sometimes you just have to take advantage of the things that fate gives you. Well, she's clearly a woman of means. I mean, the Marquis mm -hmm. would not be calling upon her services if she wasn't. I yeah. mean, she, she's she got a house of mm -hmm. her own. She's got a maid. Mm -hmm. She's got a, well, she's got a, a shed. She's got these, her, she still has her dead husband's clothes. She's a, a woman with some sort of uh, wealth yes. that she still has and still maintains. She doesn't have an, another husband yet. She's got some sort of privilege that the Marquis can call upon. Mm -hmm. So this is, yeah, she's still a woman of station in her life. In, in but not life. enough privilege that she can then say, listen, Marquis, if you want to be with me, you better, you have to marry me. No, of me, course right? not. No, she can't demand yeah. that of the Marquis. Right. No. So she's somewhere in the, in the, and, and there, there's going to be lots of, there's going to be lots of people who go through that kind of experience who are like that. And so a lot of times I think the subtext behind the story is, hey, everything's going to be okay. Yes. Questionable things happened in your past. Yes, there are things that others would look down on if they knew about them. And I think there's also something very comforting that so many characters tell stories where people do things that would maybe shame them in public if they knew that, like, well, everyone has this kind of thing. We all went through this trauma together. We all had to make difficult choices. Sometimes we made wrong choices. Sometimes we made what are right choices but look bad from the outside. And we all made them. And we all came out the other end and it's going to be okay. And so even when we have these kind of the narrators seem to be cruel to their characters, I do think that some part of that is some part of that is hopeful that even these sort of acts of cruelty in the end, everything gets 
resolve for the benefit of the survivor. The plague survivors. I see what you're saying. Well, I, I maybe that's true in day two. Mm-hmm. I think it, the further you go, especially in day four, which is my least favorite day, I think it's it's just outright awful. Well, day four is about terrible things happening uh, anyway. Uh, although I, day yeah. six is my least favorite day because it's the one about witty repartee. <laughs> yeah, witty yes. quips getting you out of bad situations, yes. which that has never happened. I, and I've had some really good quips before in my life, and that has never gotten me out of anything before. Day six is the day that many scholars think is the one where Boccaccio wrote most of the stories himself. And it feels uh, like yeah. it feels like 10 stories where he was in a situation and he was embarrassed. And then he was showering a oh. week later and he goes, you know what I should yes. have said? And then I'm going to make that a story yeah. where I did say that. It has that kind of oh, shower, yeah. that short sort of shower the next day retort that you think of. Well, engineer, engineer Mike has got a lot of uh, uh, important uh, work to do in <laughs> in our in our current crisis uh so why don't we go straight to recommendations okay so i've got two recommendations number one so you and i play a lot of video games mm-hmm. and we play one particular video game together mm-hmm. uh that this is not my recommendation we play a very difficult video game called arc survival evolved in which you are dumped naked and afraid on a beach Um, And then are immediately attacked by dinosaurs and other prehistoric and mythical creatures and are murdered. I believe the first time we played, we were killed by bugs. Not even by regular dinosaurs, just bugs. Just bugs, yes. Beetles and uh, mosquitoes. And uh, I think a Dilophosaurus killed me the Hmm. first time I played. But uh, this is not the game I recommend for people. It's um, far too violent. Um, in, in these trying times, I recommend a game called Stardew Valley. I started playing it this week just as a change of pace because you were too busy to play Ark. Mia culpa. Um, I, I hope you have more time. Me soon. too. But uh, Stardew Valley is a lot more peaceful, a lot more calm. The gist of the game is that uh, you quit your corporate job and you inherit your grandfather's farm. You have just uh, about 500 gold coins and you've got to rebuild a dilapidated farm that he left you and just live off the fat of the land. You grow crops, you raise animals, got to go mining and you've got to befriend the local villagers. And it's very peaceful. The music is very peaceful. And it's a lot of fun. I started playing after several months of saying, "Eh, I don't want to play a new video game. I don't want to play a new video game. And finally, this week has been the perfect opportunity for me to take a break and actually play something new. So, yeah, recommend Stardew Valley. You can play it on PC. You can play it on just about any video game console. I'm playing it on the Nintendo Switch. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm playing it on the Switch because I had to get away from my computer. Finally, my second recommendation is from the Decameron itself. Again, my favorite story from the book, as I said at the top of the hour, is not from day two. It is from day three, and that would be the 10th story. And I don't want to tell you guys too much about what it's about, but let's just say my favorite euphemism of all time is putting the devil back into hell. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fun story. uh, Yes. It is a fun story. It's, again, it's one of the dirty stories that I love. And (laughs) 
I won't say that I've used this phrase before, but I have. <laughs> and so uh <laughs> there's five there's five percent of our audience out there who are familiar with the story and are laughing right now, and another ninety five percent who are like uh is she making trying to make some sort of theological point here? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh day three, tenth story, please read. So my recommendations for today are specifically for sheltering in place. Obviously, the Decameron itself is our big recommendation, uh, and there are lots of great stories in it. So, so one interesting thing about the Decameron is there's never been a really good film rec- representation of it. People have tried. I've often thought it would be a good, you know, miniseries. Actually, in the these days of prestige TV, you could probably do a series. You wouldn't want to do every story, but there mm-hmm. you could probably do a good. 30 stories before you started to get to ones which were not super excellent and just were very good. And so when it's adapted to film, they almost always use the same story as a basis. And it's a story about a guy who needs to hide out and he decides to hide out among with some nuns, uh, but they won't let him be there. He pretends that he's deaf and mute. And so for some reason, everyone thinks that means he can't tell on them if they do something wrong. So he ends up sleeping with all the nuns and ever, and it's this big secret that he's basically the dear penthouse. Yes, that's basically what it is. And and this is what his life is like. And so even though there are a hundred stories to choose from and a lot of great ones, it's always the same story that film adaptations return to that is going to be the main story. Sometimes they try to weave elements of other stories into it, but that's, it's almost always that, that story or some version of it. And so since we're sheltering in place, I want to recommend two different versions of this story, two different retellings, neither of which is great, but if you were to watch them both back to back, I think you'd get a really interesting view on how, on how we can look at this story differently. The first one is a 2007 movie called Virgin Territory. Virgin Territory is starring Mm. Christian Haydenson. Wait, that's his name, right? Uh, the, The Darth Vader, right? Hayden Christensen. Christensen. I said it backwards. I wanted to say Hayden Christian. (laughs) I was like, no, that's not quite right. Okay. Hayden Christensen. Ah, yes. I'm like a really (laughs) bad film reviewer here Uh, called Virgin Territory. And in an early, one of the, you know, it went through multiple titles when they were working on it. And just to give you a sense of what they were going for. The, the, the one that lasted the longest, they, I think they released it under this and then changed it to Virgin Territory for video, but I'm not going to swear that last detail, is Decameron Pie, because it was supposed to be an American Pie, De- part of the American Ugh. Pie series, but set in the Decameron. It's not awesome. It has some hilarious scenes. So is this a comedy? It's a comedy. Or? They're both comedies. Okay. The other one comes 10 years later in 2017. It's called The Little Hours. Uh, it stars oh, Aubrey yes. Plaza. Have you seen this one? I have. And it's actually, it's pronounced The Little Horse. Oh, that's right. The Little Horse. Yes. I, you are correct. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't think we need to explain the pun. Say it slowly. Yes. yes. Um, interestingly enough, I noticed that the audience, I really think The Little Horse is better uh, <laughs> than Virgin Territory, though it kind of falls apart near the end. But audience reviews actually put Virgin Territory as better. So, what? I'm, hey, listen, no. this is what they say. They're wrong. So, uh, I just want to say so wrong. my first recommendation for sheltering in place is watch those two films, 
and uh, see which one you like better. Fight, 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 fight. It's the little yes. colors, but it's okay. And so the other recommendation that I have is completely non-medieval. It's things for fun and relaxation. The first one is a book called Icarus by <gasps> Nina. Yes. <gasps> oh my God, that's yes, me. Yes, that is you. That's my yes. book. And uh, how would you describe Icarus in a sentence? Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I feel put on the spot. Should have told me you were doing this so I could. Well, think how of about if beforehand. I give you? Do you need me to give you my one sentence? Sure. Icarus is a science fiction book set in the distant future, which is about drugs and having sex with robots. Okay, that is in no way reductive, right? Yeah. No, that's that's very yeah okay that's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> Which, as I recall, your priest read. Is this a correct statement? Uh, my my priest's wife read it. Mm. I'm not sure if my priest could read it. He would have um, a heart attack. Yeah. So uh, Icarus is full of some adult themes. Very yes. much so. It's uh uh it's full of some adult themes. It's kind of if you're wondering like what sort of world it is, it feels like. Uh, China Mieville sort of groove you're going for? Yeah, so uh, Perdido Street Station meets Neuromancer. Try to get that yes, all that's, in. That's Icarus by Nina McNamara. Thank you. And uh, the other one is uh, I'm going to recommend my own book because uh, A, you should always plug your own book. Uh, and B, yes. somebody told me a couple days ago so my, all I've been doing the last week is helping people get through this pandemic, especially a lot of young educators who are my former students who are maybe just a year or two into learning to teach. And now they're suddenly having to do remote teaching. They don't know what they're doing. They're freaked out. They need help. And so I've been trying to help them get through this. <laughs> and my book, From A to Zombie, uh, under the pseudonym of Professor Awesome. So if you see From A to Zombie by Professor Awesome, that's me. Uh, that is about... A guy whose first day of student teaching happens to have a zombie apocalypse occur. There are no drugs. There's no sex with robots. Wait, is there sex with robots? No, there's no sex with robots. No. Um, I want disappointed, but no. I'll I'll make sure I make that a prominent theme uh, in a, in a rewrite later on, <laughs> where uh, Icarus is a kind of uh, darker and atmospheric. Would you call it an adventure? It's kind of more suspenseful, I think, or, or thriller. thriller. Yeah, yeah. thriller. That, that makes sense. From A to Zombie is a sort of lighthearted adventure with lots of lo where most of the world dies. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> as as you get in, yeah. in, in lighthearted, fun adventures. So I did say, you know, the end of A to Zombie did make me cry, though. It did? Oh. Yeah, I did cry at the end oh. of it. Well... <laughs> I almost cried too, but it was because I was finally done writing it. <laughs> like I was going to say real quick, there's a line in the little whores that I have to, that we joke around a, a lot about Kate McCucci, one of the nuns oh, yes, in the little whores. Yes. I, I love her. She has a, a line where she's harassing the groundskeeper. She picks up a turnip. She goes, what is this? And the groundskeeper goes, it's a turnip. And she goes, no, it's not. It's shit. And then she throws it at him. 
engineer Mike and I do that to each other all the time. I mean, we don't throw turnips at each other, clearly. But if, if we pick something up that we don't know what it is or we don't like, we'll, we'll say, what is this? And no, it's not. It's like we do that with kale. Like we, we both hate kale. So I mean, clearly... knowing your feelings about kale. Uh, yeah. I've seen you post video on social media of you throwing kale in the trash. It's, it's I believe crime. engineer Mike called it the demon weed at one point. So yeah. <laughs> mm hmm. Yes. It again, he's right. And kale should all be destroyed. But, uh, anyway. so a bunch. So if you do those things, if you play some Stardew Valley, if you read the Decameron, you watch these Virgin territory movies and you read these two fun, uh, novels by us, Listen, your sheltering in place will be a great experience, just like the characters in the Decameron had a great experience. You might not survive this apocalypse, but at least you will not be bored. There you go. You won't, you won't die from boredom. <laughs> Going out on a dark note there. Sorry, guys. Well, anything else for the, uh, for the good of the cause? Uh, take care of yourselves, everyone. Again, we will get through this. Or we won't. One of the two. And if we don't, you know, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Now my, our lives have been fulfilled by this. Yes. And, and we will have much brighter and happier podcasts in the future. (laughs) One hopes. Hopefully. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh. Hall, Nina. Westu Hall, Doc. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerdhaven studios. Your hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. Our music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinry. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash popmedieval. That's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash popmedieval. Thank you for listening. Engineer Mike, I am, I am very sorry, but at some point you'll hear apparently a cat get on top of the house and was running around on the roof right over my head. <laughs>